Turning points change the course of our lives. Whether it's a big decision, overcoming an obstacle or tragedy, or taking a leap of faith, these stories of inspiration and resilience are what Turning Point is all about. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Turning Point. I'm your host Priya Sam and this week I have the pleasure of speaking with Mani Jessel. Mani is a fashion designer specializing in South Asian bridal and evening wear. She started her business in 2014 and she now ships her clothing to countries right around the world. Mani's Turning Point happened at her graduate school fashion show and we'll hear more about that in just a moment. Welcome to Turning Point, Mani. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to have you. Uh, you know, I'm a fashion lover myself, I have to say. I love your uh, all of your collections. I mean, clearly you were made for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I'm curious about what got you interested in fashion in the first place. Um, I think fashion has been something I've always been interested in since I was 11 years old. I watched my mom sew. She was a seamstress. Um, and I had always wanted to be an artist or something creative. I don't know what happened to me when I was 11. I was sitting there and like in journal club writing and I was like, hey, you know what? I want to make money, but also be an artist. So I'm going to make clothes. And from there, that's when I like decided to become a fashion designer and I would like carry around a sketchbook with me. Um, and then it was when I went to high school that I decided to actually apply to a fashion design program. It's definitely a unique career choice. And it's so interesting that you knew from such a young age that that's what you wanted to do. Um, what was the reaction from your family when you told them that this is what you wanted to pursue? So when I was 11, they were like totally cool with it. They encouraged it. They're like, yeah, our daughter is going to become a fashion designer. But it was like in grade 11 where like my dad was like, okay, cool. Like we encourage your dream, but like, let's get real here. You're not going to make money as a fashion designer. It's creative. You're just going to waste your time. And they wanted to wanted me to become an engineer instead, which I also enjoy doing. I actually love physics, calculus, and that was like my second passion. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know what? Dad has a point. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to make money, like, at the end of the day. And um, I applied for engineering, aerospace engineering, and I did, I still applied for fashion as well. I'm like, just in case, like, if I get in, I'm going to let fate decide whether I go into fashion or if I should pursue engineering. And then the day came where like I got in and I decided to pursue fashion because I'm like, this is what I've always wanted. They weren't happy with it at first, but as soon as like they saw my graduate collection, that's when things kind of changed. It must have been tough. I mean, I'm from the South Asian community as well. I know there can be a lot of pressure to pursue, you know, engineering, law, medicine, um, what was that like for you as you made that decision about what program to go to and kind of having that conversation with them? Yeah. So for me, it was more so like I had gotten into all of the academic sort of programs in all the universities I had applied to, but I was still waiting on the creative one, like for the fashion design one. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to let fate decide this. But the day that I got the letter from Ryerson, my dad actually handed it over to me and he was like, so this is it. Hey, right. Like, this is what you're going to do. And I'm like, yep, this is it. He's like, okay, well, we can't stop you. At the end of the day, it's like your life, like do what you need to do. But um, just know like we would have preferred if you had done the other option. I think it's really interesting that you had a passion for fashion and also for physics and engineering, because yeah. I think for most people, you're very strongly in the artistic creative yeah. side of thing, or you're kind of in the science and, yeah. and math side of thing. So as you were thinking, like, and kind of considering both options, were you, I mean, were you strongly drawn to the fashion side or was it a tough choice for you? Um, 
like, I think it wasn't a tough choice. Like, I think I was really good at math and science. Like, I enjoyed doing my homework. Like, I was such a big nerd. I wasn't somebody that liked writing. So that's why I was taking all of, like, the math courses instead. But I think it was kind of a no-brainer when, like, the fashion thing. Like, it was just something I knew I had to do. That makes sense. Um, you kind of mentioned that eventually your father did come around. Um, yeah. So let's talk about this, your biggest turning point. How did it yeah. happen? So basically, um, when I was at Ryerson, we had a final year collection. And that collection, I decided to experiment with um, South Asian bridal wear. South Asian bridal wear was something I never really knew about because um, I was getting my South Asian clothing from like my parents' trips to India. Like I didn't know what was happening, but it was going through an issue of Vogue India where I was just like, holy shit, like there's an amazing fashion scene happening in India that's outside of what my parents were bringing to me, right? Um, and it was something that I could get really creative with. So I decided to incorporate my culture into my final year collection. And that sort of helped me stand out from other collections because one, culture was a part of it, but also it was like non-traditional, it was modern. Um, and I didn't even realize this, but it I had created... I was catering to a market that had not been catered to before. Basically, women that um, didn't want something completely modern but didn't really resonate with the traditional items either. So it's I basically found a niche market, and uh, I was able to start my brand after that. And the turning point happened when your father saw this collection. Yeah. So what was his reaction? So I remember when we showcased this collection at... Uh, at school and like I remember my collection coming out and I don't know if I just have really loud friends but I remember the crowd cheering and I think my dad heard that as well um, but I had graduated after that and I just was working at another job and then I was just doing photo shoots for fun but like it wasn't anything serious and I hadn't really found a job in the fashion industry I was doing retail um, my dad had seen one of the fashion shoots that I had did and he was like, you know what? Like, he's like, you're too talented to be doing retail. You didn't do four years at fashion school to be just doing retail right now. You need to go and pursue your dreams. He's like, I know you want to go to India and just sort of get inspired and go like look for fabrics, manufacturers, all that kind of stuff. He's like, just go do that. Don't worry about financials because you carry an immense amount of guilt when you're, um, doing a creative program, especially with South Asian parents. Cause you're like, I have to prove it to them that like, they made, I made the right decision. Um, but when he said that to me, it was just like this immense sense of relief because I was like, okay, so I can like take a break right now and just do this because my dad is supporting me. So I guess that was like sort of the turning point in my life when I was able to like fully full-time pursue this. That must've been a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. It was very emotional actually. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I can imagine. And so after um, after this moment, then you do take this trip to India. Yeah. And how did that change everything for you and, and start really the development of your brand? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been going to India since I was little. I was born there as well. But I think India to me was just Punjab at that moment, which is where home was. So I was only visiting family. But I really wanted to go to Jaipur, Udaipur, Mumbai, and all of these cities where like you can get inspired by the architecture. Um, so that's where... I went like I kind of did like an eat, pray, love trip with my family um, and we were exploring India for about two weeks. I managed to source a bunch of fabrics that I couldn't have sourced if I was here. Um, 
And I was actually inspired to do one of my first solo collections that I did at uh, my own fashion show, which was called Odeper Tea Party. And I was inspired when I was in Odeper um, to do that collection. And that's when it sort of catapulted my brand into me opening up my store because that collection took off. Tell me about what inspired you when you were in India. I know you mentioned the architecture, the fabrics. What were you drawn to? I think like every time I go to India, like I'm just so inspired by it. Like the fabrics, the food, the architecture, the music, just being around the hustle and bustle. Like I think that's what I just love. And it's just, it's the culture. Your collections are stunning. They're very unique. I know you've talked about kind of this mix of traditional and um, and modern and and yeah. Western and what the what you found in India as well. So, what is the process like for you of actually coming up with a design? I think for me, it's just pieces that I resonate with. So, I I was somebody that um, I was five years old when I immigrated to Canada with my family, and it was the same thing. Like I was basically living to in two worlds. Like when I was at school, I was in this like Western world. And then when I'm at home, like I'm like entrenched with our culture. Um, so when I'm designing, I'm basically designing both parts of my life into one sketch, basically. Um, and then there's a lot of women that also relate with that. Fanshawe College's continuing education programs are one reason the college is a leader in part-time adult education. These programs are designed to upgrade your skills and enhance your career. All of the courses are part-time and most are delivered asynchronously online. Whether you're an entrepreneur looking to gain a new skill, someone getting ready to re-enter the workforce, or a professional looking to learn something completely new, Fanshawe really has something for everyone. Registration for winter courses is now open. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I and I feel like as you're saying this, I'm just thinking about all of your pieces that I've seen and you can absolutely see that in them. And it's almost like subconscious. Like I'm not even doing it intentionally. It's just something that makes sense. Yeah. And and that does make sense that it would come naturally because like you said, you have been part of both of these worlds for your almost your whole life. too. Exactly. Yeah. So like with any business, it took time to grow. Yeah. What were those early days like? So the early days, basically, I had like one custom order. I was doing a lot of custom when I first started. Um, I was sewing by myself. I had like my parents' basement where I had like a little dining uh, table where I would do my cutting. And then I had one machine. Um, and my mom would help me actually quite a bit as well because obviously she knew how to sew. Um, and then eventually when I did that with a tea party collection, I was getting a lot of customers coming into the house and home didn't feel like home anymore. And then that's when I decided I wanted to like get a separate space. Um, and then I opened up my first store in Brampton, which was this tiny little spot. So at that point you were only doing custom orders, right? Yeah. So I was doing custom before the, uh, like I had a, a smaller collection called Dark Moon, but, uh, people were still kind of like changing their mind about it. And like, I would be doing what they wanted me to do, but I was never happy doing that. Um, because sometimes I would do so many changes where I would be like, I don't even want to put my label on this anymore. But that was just like the nature of it, right? Like you got to kind of pay your dues when you're first starting out. And that er, that first store in Brampton, um, you are now at a store in Vaughan, mm-hmm. right? So um, tell me about the growth that, that happened there. And I, I mean, I imagine it wasn't always easy either. Yeah, I mean, like we opened up our um, first store in Brampton and like I did a couple collections there. I did... 
uh, a bridal collection, which really took off um, because people were seeing that bridal side. Because before that, I wasn't really full on doing bridal. It was more like me experimenting. Um, and we we did really well with that collection, which then I did like another collection. And we, I did like three solo shows while I was at that store. But I knew I was like outgrowing that space. Like it was getting too small for the amount of people that were coming in. Um, unfortunately, in 2018, uh, I actually had to let go of that space, not by choice, but because of the landlord. Um, and I was kind of spaceless for a while. But everything happens for a reason. Um, and I was connected to somebody in Yorkville. And they were like, hey, we have a spot that you can temporarily lease out as like a pop-up. And I'm like, that's been like a dream of mine to like be in Yorkville, be like five minutes away from a Chanel store or Louis Vuitton. Like that's amazing. Um, so I was, a, I was like, okay, let's just do this. And we opened up a little spot in Yorkville. Um, and then they actually had another spot in a couple months that was like much bigger. It was like 4,000 square feet. And just having our name in Yorkville was just eye-opening, we opened up our um, market to people that we wouldn't have gotten through social media. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But Yorkville was just sort of like temporary. It was like the temporary ground, but like I always wanted to go back to the suburbs because that's where the bread and butter market was. And um, I wanted a space that consolidated our studio because we do a lot of our manufacturing here in Canada as well. And a space that had the retail aspect of it as well. And is that what you have now yeah. in Vaughn? Yeah. So it's actually really cool. When a client comes in, you can see like the sewing machines and where we make the clothing. So we've kind of talked about this journey of how you've gotten to where you are today in terms of your store. Yeah. Um, you've also had um, some um, some fashion shows as well. So tell me about some of the biggest successes that you've had along the way. Yeah. I mean, um, I think something that I'm really good at is networking. So that was something I was doing early on in my career. Um, I was connecting myself and just sending emails, being like, hi, I'm Money Jessel. This is my collection. I don't really want anything, but I just want to introduce myself to you. And just by doing that, I was able to get a PR showroom in LA. And I've had like celebrities like Ashanti wear my pieces, uh, Madison Beer, Bebe Rexa. So that was really amazing. And it was really cool to like have my clothes on these celebrities that I've been following since I was little, like Ashanti was like unreal because like since like grade five, I've been like listening to her music. Right. So um, that was really nice to have that. And then other things would be just like every collection just feels like a little milestone that I've accomplished. OK, can we revisit Ashanti? though? Yeah. Tell me, about yeah. <laughs> how did you find out that this was happening? Yeah. So um, at the PR showroom like housed my collection. But basically uh, it was during New Year's. I think she did like some event in Jamaica and I got a tweet, like a notification on Twitter that like Ashanti tagged you. And I'm like, what? Like what is happening here? And I didn't even know that she had pulled my pieces. Um, and when I saw that, like I was just screaming. I was like, this is so cool. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. So what advice do you have for someone? I mean, it's been seven years for you since you started your business. Yeah. You've done so much in in what is a relatively short amount of time yeah. when you think about businesses. It feels like ages. Like, yeah. I feel like I need to retire. That's, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot. What advice would you have for someone who, who might be um, in the position you were in when you graduated school and, you yeah. know, you were kind of wondering how to take the next step? Yeah, I think it's just really important to be true to yourself um, and be original because I think that's what helped me stick out because I was doing something that wasn't already out there. Um, and then just in terms of like creating like a business plan, um, 
don't feel so intimidated by doing one. I never even did one. I just wrote notes and sort of organized all of these pieces of paper that was my plan. And it was something I was following. So I think that would be my advice because I think a lot of people nowadays, they get intimidated by the idea of doing a business plan and goaling themselves when it's really just something that you're doing for yourself. I think that's such great advice. Yeah. Um, you know, often in the moment when we have a turning point happen, we don't necessarily realize yeah. that it's happening. So right. I kind of wonder now, as you reflect back um, on that moment when your father decided to really support your career choice, how much has that impacted where you are today? I think it's impacted quite a bit because even today, my parents are super hands-on with the business. My dad is the one that does my financials, my accounting, and helps me with like the logistics part of the business too. And my mom, again, like she was my production manager and she still comes in and helps with like the hand sewing. And even today, I think she's like waiting for me to come back to the studio so she can help me sew. I love that it's turned yeah. into a family business. It is, yeah. And even my sister, like she's been super hands-on with it as well, helped me with like the retail aspect. So yeah, it's become the family business basically. So we've kind of taken a, a look back and, and walked through your career. Uh, what are As you look forward, what are you most looking forward to? I think because I just launched like a really big collection in September, I'm just trying to like catch a break right now. Um, and I was supposed to launch something in February, but because of, I didn't realize how big this collection would have been um, or has been. I'm just going to chill out, not going to do a February collection and then... Um, maybe in like a couple months revisit doing something more lifestyle. We, okay, we have to talk about your new collection because, um, and for any of you who are watching right now on um, YouTube, you're going to get a little taste of it at the end here. We're going to show some video, um, but tell me about it. It's called Unleashed. Yeah. So Unleashed is something basically I wanted to unleash as cheesy as that sounds. Um, but basically this collection is more provocative. It's sexier. It's unapologetic. Um, and it was something like during the pandemic I was designing, right? Like we were stuck in our homes and I was just like, you know what? Like I'm already sort of labeled as the rebellious South Asian designer. So I'm like, how can I take this even further? So the cuts are sexier and um, the fabrics, like they're different and they're a little bit more eclectic and it's very 70s inspired. And I just wanted something that I was like, this, this is who I am. This is who I am as a designer and I will continue to be this person. Like I'm not scared. Do you find now, as you look back at your early collections compared to, you know, what, how you just described your collection now, yeah. has there been an evolution in style? I, I think like they've been consistent, but I think with every collection, like if I do a new one in a couple months, I'll probably be like, this is better. This is who I am. So I think I'm changing with every collection that I do, but like right now I really do feel like I've come into my own as a designer and I kind of understand who I am a little bit better, but I could say that again in the next collection too. Yeah. I think I always have felt that way with every collection. It makes sense. You're evolving. Of course, your collections are going to evolve yeah, too. Exactly. Oh, Mani, I'm so inspired by your story. Oh, thank and you. I thank you so much for coming in today. I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, thanks.
And I, I really hope to wear some of your oh, you clothing. Have to, in the you future. have to come into the showroom. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. happening. Yeah. <laughs> thank for you sure. again for being here and for sharing your turning point. Thank you. And thank you so much to all of you for watching and listening today. Uh, as I mentioned, we do have a special edition of this episode on YouTube where you can actually check out Mani's latest collection, Unleashed. And if you have a turning point that you would like to share with us, you can always email us at turningpointpriasam.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take good care of yourself and of each other.